know, sometimes in a church and in, in life, we do things the hard way. It looks good. It has a, a, a tendency to, to resemble something that would, would be, make sense. It, you know, you have this big red tractor, you start it up. I know some of you uh, that, that deal with, with farming, uh, Brother Sponsor was probably cringing a little bit watching people pull a perfectly good tractor. But have you ever thought, have you ever seen how sometimes we do things the hard way? But I, I like how they did that. I hope you caught the parable, or the, or the parallel rather, that the, the manual is kind of like the Bible. And you know what? The Bible is true. I spend a lot of time preaching from the Word of God. I spend a lot of time behind this uh, uh, pulpit telling you that I believe what the Word of God says. And if, if we, we can't just say I believe this part and not that part. We've got to get to the place where we believe the whole Bible is true. And if the whole Bible is true, then not only can he heal and not only can he deliver and not only can he set free and not only is the Holy Ghost a, a essential element of our life and, and the baptism of, of his name that cleanses us, but do you know that he tells us that we can go out and reach our world and reach and tell the, 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 the world? And, 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 you know, sometimes as a church... We get blessed and we plow a couple feet here and there. And every once in a while, there's a new babe in Christ that's born. But I'm believing that it's time to get that old tractor fired up and see what God really wants to do in O'Fallon and the surrounding areas. And I want to talk today. I've got three stories that I'm going to take to begin with. Uh, Sunday, I, I preached. Every, everything I said seemed to be just a, a quote or a paraphrase from the Bible. So I'll take it a step further on the other direction and I'll start off uh, with just some stories. But I'd like to tell you a, a quick story. The, the first story is uh, uh, this, he had survived the perilous flight from Nazi-occupied territory that were hundreds of miles away. But somewhere in that journey, this pigeon, this spy pigeon, did you know that there were spy pigeons in World War II. The spy pigeon, not that one, but it's kind of like that, uh, swooped down on a chimney in Surrey to rest and for some reason fell off his perch. I don't know if maybe there were fumes from a fire below or what happened, but he fell behind a, a, a chimney and behind all of that in a house and he, he died and the, there was a coded message strapped to a little red capsule in his leg. For 70 years, that pigeon laid undiscovered in that chimney until this man named David Martin decided to restore the fireplace. And as he began to open it up, he pulled out twigs and rubbish, he said. And then he started finding bits of dead pigeon and, and, and kept going and found a leg bone. And attached to the leg bone was a red capsule. They unscrewed uh, the red capsule and there was a what they call a cigarette paper thin strip that had some code, and they sent it there. And they began to do some his research, and historians believe that the message was written by a Sergeant Stott, and, and it was rolled into that red capsule, and it was attached to that pigeon, and it was 27 codes. Each was a combination of letters and numbers, and it was on its way back, and they think it probably, uh, as they were trying to decipher it, they think it very well may have been... Uh, bombing codes for, for something like that. But they would use these, these carrier pigeons. They had been used for centuries and they kept doing it. They say these carrier pigeons can go some 80 miles an hour. They can fly distances of over 700 miles. In fact, the British uh, Royal Air Force trained 250,000 of these pigeons 
uh, to be there. And they would, they would do so. But this pigeon never delivered the message. Now, I am very thankful. You know, I could be Paul Harvey and tell you the rest of the story and tell you that because of one pigeon and it died in a chimney, you know, the war was lost and, you know, everything was happening. I'm so thankful that wasn't the case. But it was a message that did not get delivered. On another note, did you hear about the guy who sold his homing pigeons for the 18th time? Some of you get that. Some of you will have to ask someone smarter than you. There was another article, homing pigeons come back. And so you sell them and they come back, you sell them again. And they got that, Emma? That's good. There you go. Now you can take that and tell all of your friends. And uh, you can do that. In, in 2005, another story came out. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping on this theme that there was messages that were not delivered. There were, it was, it was, came out May 2005. The story in The Guardian said that two old men apparently were soldiers and the story they told when they emerged from the dense jungle of the Philippine Islands, it was the talk of the nation they claimed to have fight for. According to the reports, the Japanese men, and this is one of them, both are in their 80s, had been hiding on the island of Mindanao, which is about 600 miles from Manila since before the end of the Second World War. And these two men, they were former members of a division whose ranks have been devastated in those fierce battles as the U.S. was going there in uh, that area. And they had remained in the jungle and mountains unaware that the war had ended 60 years earlier. They were afraid that if they gave up that they would be court-martialed for desertion if they showed their faces. And so uh, when, when they found out about this, the, the prime minister in Tokyo uh, dispatched a team of diplomats and they... Uh, verified that the story was true and they said they were going to do everything they could uh, to uh, bring them back and, and, and bring them in. They had never got the message that the war was over. Now that, that story was hidden behind another story that, that some of you may be familiar with, the story of, of Hiro uh, Onida. And, and you can find that he was born in March the 19th, 2000, I'm sorry, 1922. He had fought in World War II. He didn't surrender when they surrendered in 1945. In fact, here's what happened. He was ordered to go there and he was sent to Lubang Island in the Philippines. And he was, he was ordered to do everything he could to disrupt the Allied in, uh, uh, incursion. He was to destroy airstrips. He was to destroy the pier in the harbor. And he was, he was given explicit orders never to surrender, never to take his own life. He landed on that island. He joined up with other soldiers that were there. And the officers in that group outranked him. And they wouldn't let him do what he had been told to do. And so they say it's really why it was easier for the United States and the Philippine Commonwealth forces to take that island. But, but after that landing on February the 28th, 1945, all of those people in his uh, group had died except Onida and three other soldiers. Onida was now lieutenant. And they were, there was four of them left, and so he ordered them into the hills. From that time on, he would carry out guerrilla activities. He killed some 30 Filipino inhabitants of the island. He engaged in several shootouts with the police. In October of 1945, a leaflet they found claimed the war was ended. They killed a cow at one point and found another uh, uh, leaflet that said the war ended, come down from the mountain, but they didn't trust the message. 
And so they stayed up there in that place. They thought it was allied propaganda. So toward the end of 1945, they, they dropped leaflets with an order surrender, or a surrender order from General Takim, uh, uh, Tama Kua. And, and it was said that they were to, to give up. They had been in hiding for over a year. They looked it over. And they decided that that message was not genuine. In 1949, one of them walked away and surrendered. And so they thought, well, that's not good. We can't let anybody do it. And so they became even more careful. In 1952, they dropped letters. People uh, dropped letters and family pictures from an aircraft urging them to surrender. But those three soldiers, they, they concluded that it was a trick. One of them was shot in the leg during a shootout with local fishermen in 1953. In 1954, another one was killed by a shot fired by a search party that was looking for them. Another on October 19, 1972, was killed by two shots fired by the local police. Part of their guerrilla activities, those two remaining were burning the rice that had been collected by farmers. And one died, and so in 1972, that only left Onida. February 20, 1974. Honeda met a Japanese college dropout named Norio who was traveling the world. And this is what he said. He said he was looking for Lieutenant Onida, a panda, and the abominable snowman in that order. But after four days of searching, that college dropout found Onida. He described this moment, this Onida described it in a 2010 interview. He said, I watched this hippie-looking boy named Suzuki that came to the island to listen to the feelings of an old Japanese soldier. He asked me why I would not come out. And Onida refused to surrender. He said, I'm waiting for an order from a superior officer. And so Suzuki returned to Japan with photographs of himself and Onida to show the world that this man really did exist. And they located that commanding officer uh, of Onida who had by this time become a bookseller. And that, that commanding officer flew there in March, 19, March 9th, 1974 and met Onida and fulfilled the promise that he made. said, we'll come for you. And he gave him these following orders, that he was to cease all combat activity, that he was relieved of all military duties, and that they were to place themselves under the command of a nearest officer, and he did. He turned over his sword, he turned over his rifle that was still in working order, 500 rounds of ammunition, several hand grenades, as well as a dagger his mother had given him in 1944. And there was only one other person that was arrested, his name was Turio Nakamara, that was arrested in 18, or December 18, 1974, that held out longer. All because the message didn't get to them. In life, there's a lot of places, there's a lot of times where the message didn't get to them. It's not just in, in wartime. It's not just, even though these stories tend to go through uh, uh, wartime scenarios, there's other places, there's other times. See, it's one thing to have a message. It's another thing to have a messenger. There are plenty of messages that are composed. How many of you, now, now let me put it to something you might understand. How many of you text or email? Okay, thank you for raising your hands. Uh, how many of you have composed a text and never sent it? You ever composed an email and never sent it? You wrote the message, the message was there. I hope it didn't have anything vital in it, but you wrote the message, but they never got it. Can I just tell you today that the message of Jesus Christ needs a messenger? It's interesting. Out of all the things that God has created, out of all the things that God has done, 
He entrusted the gospel to you and I. He entrusted it to, to some a, a ragtag group of, of disciples and, and they didn't have the best pedigrees and they didn't have the best uh, uh, resumes. But if you will, he had no other plan. He said, I'm leaving it with you, Peter. I'm leaving it with you, James. I'm leaving it with you. Uh, and, and if you don't do it, I don't have another plan. He said, I, I, I need a messenger. I love what Paul said. I have read it many times. Paul, uh, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 14. And if I had a text, this would probably be uh, the text. But I didn't have one at the beginning of my message. Paul said, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. I'm a debtor to the wise and the unwise. And so much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. I'm sorry, I, I skipped back. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I'm afraid the modern church has has gotten some things wrong a little bit. While I am absolutely realizing the necessary uh, need of a pastor. In fact, today I spent some time on the phone with my pastor, Brother Graham. Got to talk to him and gave me some advice I needed to hear. I, I, I'm well aware that each one of us need a pastor. But the pastor is not the only one that's able to carry the message. There's a lot of preaching that goes home behind this desk. But for the majority of our services, the preaching that's done behind this desk only finds ears of about 120 to 140 people. But yet there are thousands more that you and I get to contact with that have not yet stepped into this place and that message needs a messenger. Let me just, I'm, I'm going to read to you a whole bunch of verses. I'm going to read them real fast, but I want you to hear the the, the, the common theme that's there. Jesus told them in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7, As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Mark chapter 3 and verse 12, He ordained the twelve that they should be with Him and that they may, and He might send them forth to preach. I like that. This is... This is prior to the book of Acts. This is prior to the things that are going on that, that, that you know, you're going to see this Peter preaching and Paul preaching. It's, it's prior to all of that. But, but here it is. Jesus is still walking on the face of the earth. But yet even where Jesus is, walking on water, healing blinded eyes, opening deaf ears, at least two different times, he sent disciples out and he said, I need you to preach. Now, can you imagine, I, I really, there, there's another place where he sent out the 70. And he said, I want, I want 70. You're going to go two by two. And the verse that, that's used says, you're going to go before me into those cities and I'm going to follow. Jesus said, I'm going to come later, but you're going, you're going to bring the message and you're going to prepare that city. Can you imagine Peter or James or Bartholomew or whoever one of the disciples was saying, you want me to go preach? You want me to go give the message? I mean, Jesus, you're the one that preaches to 5,000, 10,000. You walk on water. You can, you know, do all of these things. You want, you want me to preach? But it's because the message needs a messenger. He, he told the Great Commission, Mark chapter 16, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
Paul, what I just wrote, read, Paul said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. Romans 10, 15, how shall they preach except they be sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings of good things. Romans 15, 20, Paul said, I've strived to preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, Paul said, Christ didn't send me to baptize at this moment. He sent me to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of none effect. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 23, he said, but we preach Christ crucified. The Jews, it's a stumbling block. To the Greek, it's foolishness. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Practice what you preach. 1 Corinthians 9, 16, though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity it's laid upon me. And woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. How many times did Paul say, if anybody, any, anything else is preached other than what God has given us? Any other gospel being preached? He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, we don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, I'm to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Galatians 1.8, though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that, or, or if any of them preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Galatians 1.9, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you've received, let him be accursed. Ephesians 3.8, unto me who am less than the least of all the saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Now, I, I, didn't give, I didn't give near enough time to any of those verses to exegete them out properly. I just wanted you to see the common thread that preaching is a necessary thing in this church that you and I are a part of. This church that was birthed from the cross of Christ has an element that the message needs a messenger. Now, God could do what he wanted anytime. He could, he could go to everybody's bed and he could, he could write on the wall. He could wake you up in the middle of the night. He could speak to you like the ghost spoke to Scrooge in, in uh, the Christmas carol. He could do any other way, but he chose preaching. When Paul uses that word preach, he, he uses it in the term of a herald. When he describes himself in 2 Timothy, he, he says that he's the preacher of the gospel and it's a herald. And this is what a herald is. A herald is a person who makes a public announcement on another's behalf. We don't see a lot of them today. When I was in, when my wife and I were in Toledo, Ohio, uh, the, the town, which was kind of a, a suburb of Toledo, Ohio, where the church was, was called Sylvania. And it was kind of like Lake St. Louis. It was a, a, small, a small area. But they had a town crier. And, and he would dress up in, the, in the, those old uh, English funny-looking garments. And at every major event, it didn't matter what event it was, he came out and, and he had his little staff and he'd bang it on the ground and he'd read from a scroll, Hear ye, hear ye! And he would usher that, that, that thing in. That's what a herald is. 
those of you that like to follow the, the royalty and, and, and uh, uh, Princess Kate, when she had her baby, you saw that town crier, that herald that came out and, pro- and, and gave the world the notice of that little baby boy that had been born. It's a herald. When he says, I preach Christ crucified, what he's doing, he's not, he's not preaching his own. He's simply saying this is what's happening. Now, again, we need a preacher. We need a, 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 a pulpit. We need a pastor. We need that. But I'd like for you and I to get inside of our hearts that preaching takes place and that, and I use that word preaching in terms of herald, it needs to take place far more outside this pulpit than behind this pulpit. Let me say that again. That preaching in terms of heralding needs to take place more outside this pulpit than behind this pulpit pulpit. When Paul begins to speak, when he says it's my preaching or our preaching, he's not trying to to say I came up with this. He's just saying I was the herald. I was the one that proclaimed the gospel. Look it up. You can can read it. Uh, James Packer wrote a book in 1986 called Your Father Loves You. And he made this statement. He said, Paul, in his own estimation, was not a philosopher. He was not a moralist. He was not even one of the world's wise men. Men. He was simply Christ's herald. His royal master had given him a message to proclaim. And his whole business was to deliver that message with exact and studious faithfulness. Adding nothing. Altering nothing. Omitting nothing. He carried the gospel. I'd like to tell you today that if this church is ever going to step outside of, of, of 835 West Terra Lane and fill these seats up, it's going to be when someone gets inside of them, I am his herald as well. It's not only going to be the preaching of Brother Buford or, or Brother Buford or Brother Perryman or the rest of the ministers here, but I can do it because the message needs a messenger. Romans chapter 10 verse 8. What Saith it, the word is nigh to thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with his mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. That's just kind of setting up salvation. But this is what he says. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't have time. You know, you can't take your own salvation doctrine just out of that. I can show you where it says, He that believeth on the Lord shall be saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Uh, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? All of those verses go, but this is what it says. How shall they call on him if they had not believed? And how shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Skipping down, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Do you have any idea what your preaching, and I I use that word and I probably ought not to because most of you don't, don't want to preach. Many of you have made comments like I don't ever want to get up in front of somebody. I don't want to be behind the pulpit and I'm, I'm okay with that. 
But do you understand what that that preach, it means to herald the gospel, to publish and to proclaim the gospel. Do you know what, what you have inside of you and how effective it is if you would just start preaching a little bit? You say, Pastor, I can't preach. Well, I, I, I'm aware of that. You, you might not be able to craft a sermon. Maybe you have no idea how to put the three points together. Has God saved you? If I can't get you to respond in church, chances are you're not going to respond out of church. So let me try that again. Has God saved you? All right. Do you remember what it was like to be lost and now saved? Do you remember what it was like when, when, when you first found that place? And it, it may not have even happened at a church at the beginning. Do you remember what it was like when God would wake you up in the middle of the night and, or, or, or you'd be driving down the road and your mind would start going to, man, I'm lost and I'm going to hell. I'm not going to make it. If God comes back right now, if I die of a heart attack, I'm not going to make it right now. And you begin to remember that. Do you remember what it was the first time you got a hold of the Bible? Several of you have told me parts of your story, and, and I like that, and, and, and it's exciting. I, 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 what was the song, Brother Sorrels, we sang that you said was the first song you'd ever heard, or, or, or gospel song? Joy Unspeakable, the, the song we, we sung Sunday morning. I was walking out of church and Brother Sorrel says, that was the first song I heard when I came to a Pentecostal church. He said, and if, if that's what they have, I want it. How shall they believe if they have not heard? Every day, you have an audience that you connect with. And every day, you have an opportunity to tell them and the more you tell them, I'm not, you don't have to get uh, in, into some big theological discussion. It's not about doctrine at that point. It's not about, uh, you know, the, the, the dispensations of grace. It's not about whether it's pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib. It's not about any of that. Here's how it works. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was a sinner far from grace, but I remember kneeling down at an altar. I remember kneeling down at a bed. I remember driving in my car and just saying, God, I'm lost and I need you. And he came down in my car and somebody's gonna hear a herald speak. Somebody's gonna hear somebody proclaim and it's gonna move inside of them and they that hear it begin to believe it. I'm amazed at how many people I've come in contact with. I've sat in police cars with our, our policemen and my, my duties as a chaplain. I've sat in there and I've preached sermons after sermons when they asked me to. Can't, can't do that. You know, I don't just jump in the car and start preaching. But I've had them say, you know, I'm, I'm going with something. I'm my, 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 my uh, you know, someone in my family has cancer. Well, do you know a God that heals cancer? I do. You know how I know? Because he's sitting right there. If you haven't heard the story, you need to grab a hold of my dad one day and let him tell you the story back in 1998, I believe, that my dad was healed of, of cancer there in, the, uh, in, in the, 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 the liver and pancreas and all of that. Doctors that have said you, you, you might have a little bit of a chance to live. At one point they said that everyone, the one doctor said everyone he knew that had that cancer was dead within five years. Yeah, my dad's still here. 
You know how many times I've sat somewhere and said, let me tell you about my Jesus. What I'm doing is I'm heralding. The message needs a messenger. Those two words that can be translated to preach, one means to herald, the other means to announce, and both of them are for you and I. See, a pastor, we're called to be shepherds. A pastor is called to be the overseer of God's flock. We tend to the needs of the sheep. We feed the sheep. We watch out for the sheep. Sometimes we have to admonish the sheep. And there are moments that we do the work of an evangelist. And there's moments that we herald and we announce. But that's where you can jump in. <clears throat> there's a story I read. Um, and, and it's it, somebody put it this way as they began the story. They said that the caterpillar is the most confused creature because it roams the planet walking when undoubtedly stamped in his soul is the call to fly. Now you all have caterpillars. I have had some caterpillar moments lately, except I'm killing my poor caterpillars because they're eating my tomatoes. <clears throat> that and coons and deer and everything else. I walked out today, this morning, I was going to pick these two bright red tomatoes that were there. And there were green tomatoes everywhere smashed on the patio. And my red tomatoes were gone. And I know it's a coon or a possum or something like that. I've been picking caterpillars off of it. But when I'm not mad at the caterpillars for eating my plants, I know that caterpillars go through four stages. They're an egg. Then they're a caterpillar. And then... There's the stage where they become a, a, a cocoon or crystallis, and I've never been able to say that word appropriately. And then after that, they come out as a beautiful butterfly. There is a, a purpose and a time. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's a purpose and a time for everything under heaven. And those caterpillars, it's interesting, they, they can, in order for that caterpillar to transform itself, they go through a period where all they want to do is eat. They eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And if you don't believe it, go look at my tomato plants because they just strip them bare. But they're eating so that they can transform into the butterfly. When you come to church and, and you are preached to and you're, you're taking notes and the word of God goes forth, you're partaking of that. And the idea is you are nourishing yourself for a transformation that is coming. But if that caterpillar just says, you know what, I enjoy eating. And just eats and eats and eats and decides I'm never going to do anything with what I eat. It never transforms. Every sermon you've ever heard. At one point that sermon was for your salvation. You were lost. And you needed that preacher to preach to you and that preacher preached and conviction grabbed hold of your heart and, and, and shook you and you walked down to an altar or, and, and you lifted up your hands, you repented of your sins, you were filled with the Holy Ghost, you were baptized, all of that happened. But every sermon after that, hopefully it's got some teaching that keeps you. Really it's preparing you to take it outside these walls and teach and herald and proclaim I'd like to just tell you you were born for this the Lord and I, I've spent some time lately the Lord would 
preaching this, you know, the Lord loves you and He wants you to be home. He wants you to walk on those streets of gold. As I preach Sunday morning, He wants to show you off. But when He saved you, He was also saving you and He gave you a call. He said, I need someone to be, I need the, the, the messenger that will bring the message. Everything you've gone through up to this point of your life, it's been preparation. The testimony you have, God's brought me. I can't tell you how many people my wife has, has affected with the testimony of this child that we're going to have. The loss of the previous two. I can't tell you how many times at, at, at Zane's or in Zane and Zoe's school, I've watched my wife sit down with, with somebody and just begin to talk. They say, yeah, we've been through that same thing. And I've watched the message go out through the words of a messenger. How many times have you spent on your job or at your school preaching, proclaiming, heralding? I'm trying to encourage you. I want to... I wanna, uh, I, I want to kind of give you a, a preaching license, if you will. I want to release you to start proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because faith comes by hearing. I might, you know, I, I might, there, there's, there's people that will walk through this door one time, and I'll never see them again. I got one message that I, I, I only had one time that I could preach to them. But you have people that you see every day. And it's not preaching. It, it, it's not, you know, shoving the gospel down their throat. But it's how can they believe except they hear. That, that song we sung, I'm living on the hallelujah side. This world is full of a lot of doubt. It's full of a lot of uh, depression. It's full of a lot of dreariness. How many times have you asked somebody, how's it going? And then regretted you ever asked them that? Let's be the opposite of that. How's it going? I'm blessed. What do you mean you're blessed? Well, had a trial come, but God's brought me through it. I woke up this morning, and, and I, I've got a home, and I've got a family, and I'm looking forward to church tonight, and and, and yeah, the job's stressful, but I prayed for this job. I prayed that God would give me a job so that I could pay my bills and provide for my family. And so when I wake up and go to work, even though sometimes I don't want to, I'm thankful, Lord. Because the more you tell them, the more they begin to believe. The more that they begin to believe, the more they begin to receive. And the more that they receive, the more they begin to do. Would you stand today? Hallelujah. The message needs a messenger. I don't want to be the, the pigeon that got caught and fallen in a, in a chimney and reached the end of my life holding on to a precious gospel that I should have given out. I don't want there to be someone in the jungle somewhere that never heard the message when I could have given it to them or they didn't receive the message. I want to be the messenger that gives the message. I wonder if we could just take a moment, even right where you are. I wonder if you could ask the Lord to give you wisdom, to give you courage, to let you see how easy it is to simply proclaim, to herald, to announce 
the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you take a moment and let his word speak to you? Lord, yes, to your will and to your way, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey, let your spirit speak.